Need a new set of optics? For more than a decade, Riton Optics has been providing optic solutions for hunters and shooters of all types and disciplines. Check out their Primal line for those products geared more towards us hunters. From binoculars and spotting scopes to your basic 3-9 to nine scopes and longer range crossover models, the Primal line from Riton was made for hunters. Learn more at RitonOptics.com. That's Riton, R-I-T-O-N, Optics.com. Hey folks, if you're sick of getting censored for posting content about what you love to do outdoors, whether that's hunting, fishing, or whatever it is, I wanted to make sure that you're aware that we've partnered with the social media platform Go Wild to combat mainstream social media's censorship. Go Wild was built by outdoors women and women by hunters and anglers, just like all of us. And it's a free social community. Not only are your photos there not censored, they're actually encouraged on the Go Wild platform. And Go Wild will give you points for things like sharing your trophies, gear reviews, and inviting friends. And as you earn those points, you unlock some pretty great rewards too. Things like gift cards, free swag, knives, huge discounts on brands like Garmin, Vortex, and plenty more. And if you create a free account today, you will unlock 10 bucks just for trying it out. Visit DownloadGoWild.com to get started. This is the OK Hunter Podcast. Never pass on shooter bucks, if that's just me, a freezer. It's your tag, you hunt how you want. This is OKest Hunter. everybody welcome to the OKS Hunter podcast coming at you from the OKS Hunter podcast studio here in Oconomowoc, Wisconsin. I struggle with this volume because it sounds really loud to me but on the post it's super quiet. Is it really? So I feel like I'm yelling and I can't hear myself. I feel like it always used to be louder. Yeah I don't know it's it's just confusing. We're mellowing in our old It's not like actual anyway um (laughs) we're we're coming at you so loud our studio and podcast Premier sponsor is Spartan Forge. We we made uh, a lot of use out of that over the weekend. I took a lot of photos that are associated with specific pins. Mm-hmm. There's a rub pin. There's a buck bed pin. There's a community scrape pin. pin. There's heavy track pin. There's doe track pin. I'm like, I didn't <clears> use the <throat> shed antler pin. Oh, oh well, I mean, oh, man. Might, it might be okay to not. Pin that one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to remember that. <laughs> No, yeah, we used the crap out. At least I did. I didn't have the tracking feature on, but um, yeah, it was cool to to get in there for. Since I mean, I haven't used it since the season, and the mm-hmm. mapping is pretty crisp, even where we were. Uh, also, as you can see on the screen, if it's on rotation, if you're watching, uh, shout out to Drop Time Spirits. This bottle's about to get cash. I don't know if we're gonna do it on this episode or not. It's a bit of a uh, bourbon, so and it's like 92 proof. And uh, yeah, Woo! I've just it's got some bite. <clears throat> just. Going through the coffee here with Backwoods Grind. Greg, I think I gave you a bag last mm-hmm. time you are here, last yeah, week. Derek's turn to get the next one. All right. Yeah, I should probably maybe just get more, but I don't know. Anyway, uh, Spartan Forge is 25% off if you use our code, which is OHP. So be sure to redeem that code just so you can save that money. I, uh, to my knowledge, most other people you can get that code from, it's 20% off. So if you like us and you follow us, do that. Uh, Backwoods Grind is um, OHP also, and we don't have one for drop time because it's alcohol and you might be like 17 or 18 or 19 or 20. Uh, what else? I don't know. Okay, Hunter Crew is up and running, by the way, as Greg has broken my staple gun. No, I haven't. Um, just oh, making yeah. all sorts of noise over there. Got a little bit of ammo in there. Yeah, I hung, hung up some phone. To, Somebody phone must have been busy. Yeah. yeah. Two, two blocks of foam. Anyway, <laughs> I can hear the difference. Yeah. What the hell was I talking about two seconds ago? Okay, it's on our crew. It's up and running. The crew is up and running. Some so discounts flowing. For the, yeah, there? for the month of March, it's a discount on Altera Alpaca socks. Ooh. So 20% off. You, I can't tell you the code. You got you to gotta go apply to be the crew, and you won't make it this month, so I'm sorry. <laughs> Actually, but every month there'll be a new company that we're going to be uh, working with to get discounts for everyone that's in the crew. So, yeah, check that out for sure. And uh, it, we're going to say it every week until it gets here because it's coming up fast. But we'll be at the open season sportsman's trade show in the Wisconsin Dells at the Kalahari booth 200A. Heck yeah. So come, check us come out. by and say hi. Uh, cheers. And we'll have we have a, a whole bunch of koozies coming. I got 
like 10 boxes of freaking hats out here. Excellent. Not really like it's three boxes, but three boxes. But it's it like the most boxes ever. Boxes, yeah. 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 And Tyler's got a bunch at his house. And so between the two of us, we got uh, more. I think we have 10 hat styles Excellent. in totality and different color variations. So that's a lot of hats. Yeah. It's fun. It's exciting. But anyway, we have a guest on the line with us. So uh, I already made. We made Sam sit there long enough. We didn't talk about weird stuff yet, so let's get weird. What's yeah. up, Sam? <laughs> How's it going, everybody? That's good. Excellent, Great. man. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, by the way, Sam, I forgot to mention a Lee new Flair. friend of mine, uh, Ryan Chuckle, says hi. Tell Ryan hi for me. He happens to be my boss. Oh. <laughs> so <laughs> He's like, tell Sam I said hi. He said you're going to be on the show tonight. Yeah, sweet. Yeah, anyway, that's pretty cool. You've been doing a lot of stuff with, uh, what's that, Made With Meat? Been grinding yeah. up some meat over there? Your photos yeah, are beautiful. Fortunately, fortunately, I have an older brother who uh, is a wizard at meat processing, so I get to reap all the benefits of Josh knowing all of the uh, ins and outs of creating beautiful sausage. <laughs> I, think I, I think I entered one of your uh, contests trying to win a, a sausage stuffer or something yep. like that. Yep. I was yep. hoping for some luck there. I that, said those, we wouldn't get weird. Awesome. Just kidding. Sausage <laughs> stuffer. Really wanted your sausage stuffer. Can we get a shirt? <laughs> <laughs> the sausage stuffer. Yeah, we just we just gave away a grinder, mixer, stuffer, and smoker. So kind of like wow. the uh, the ultimate sausage making kit Absolutely. Um, from Meat and Camp Chef. That's, cool. that's fun. So you like that stuff? Oh, yeah, it's incredible. Like the, uh, well, I mean, so it's direct to consumer. Uh, yeah. So they're able to, you know, basically sell like commercial grade equipment, but not have to charge so much by going through dealers. Oh, I see. Okay. That's kind of nice. Yeah. So it is yeah. a high quality product at a good price point. Yeah. So like their one and a half horsepower grinder, you know, like if you bought it, if you had to buy it in a store, it would probably be like $1,500, but it's 700 Wow. That's right. still yeah. a bit of change, but that's quite the discount. It's like half off, basically. Yeah, I mean, man, you could like when you get that thing running, like you can just be dropping chunks of meat in, and it's just like we you can grind yeah. an entire deer. And I don't, I don't, we didn't time it, but it's it's very fast. That's pretty cool. I'm I you know have always cut up my own venison and whatnot, but I I don't have the the means. I just got a grinder last year, so I haven't mm -hmm. really processed my own stuff. Just cut it up. But uh, I'm definitely in the market and starting to look for uh, a smoker because I'd love to make my own, you know, venison summer sausage and for sure. uh, the brats and stuff. I don't know. You don't have to smoke. I can just stuff it and mix it and whatnot. But that's something I'm definitely trying to get more into. Yeah. I've been smoking on my pellet grill. I'm like, you know, a meat smoker for dummies basically is how I look at that. I'm not really doing it, but I'm kind of doing it. The result <laughs> is great. Like I was a baby. It's, it's the same concept, right? I mean, you're just trying to create consistent heat and smoke. So a pellet grill is a great option for that because you uh, you don't have to mess with it all that much. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, yep. dude, thanks for, for hanging out with us here. Um, we had you on, I don't know, a year or ish ago or something like that. Yeah. Uh, it can be a while now. Yeah. It, yeah. And we've gotten pretty consistent with this. We're in a different space now. We're like in the basement of my house rather than the upstairs of my house. So things have changed. But some things have changed for you. I think when we did have you on, you were just getting into the van. Like you're like, I can't really talk about it yet, but like we're, we got a van or, and so yep. like maybe just take a minute here and talk about what has happened with the van and the bus and maybe the last year of change, so to speak. Sure. Yeah. So, uh, I guess, yeah, last time we talked, we had just got the van and basically did, uh, a full build out on, you know, it was kind of like, public land bus 2.0 something uh, quite a bit more capable than a school bus and there's uh, the school bus is great for base camp but if you want to try to go anywhere other than the foothills uh, you need something a little bit better so the the van we bought a 2010 chevy express 3500 and we found it um it had 26,000 miles on it so i mean it was basically brand new it had uh um I think we ended up getting it was super inexpensive at the time. Now, if you went and tried to buy that van, it'd be like 40 grand just for the van. Um, <laughs> yeah. My wife, uh, got, my wife's got this great idea that we should build a van similar to that. And literally it's 40 grand to buy a Chevy or a GMC van, just yep. a base stripped down model with a six liter gas engine in it. Right. And yeah. Like, I mean, well, what if we do this and what if we do that and watch the price tag go up? <laughs> yeah. And if you want to do 
if you want to do four wheel drive, like we did, you know, we drove it out to Pennsylvania and had Quigley put a four wheel drive system on it. And that's, um, with a four wheel drive and a three inch lift and limited slip rear differential, uh, it's about 15,000 for the conversion. Um, wow. Ooh. And, yeah. But I mean, when we right. bought it, like, you know, we got into, you know, you say you have a one ton chassis, uh, yep. so it's a 3,500 chassis and then you have a full four wheel drive system. So, I mean, think about that in pickup form, even at that time, it would have been, you know, 50 to $70,000 to get into that. Right. Um, so That's we, you know, yeah, we came off pretty inexpensive uh, now that would be quite a bit different but and that's uh, and that's what you need for that you know that's what you're building it for so you can right, use it and right have it be able when you need it to so it, i mean it's money well spent yeah 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 the six and liter is a, yeah it's got the six liter engine you know then i i would love to get um eventually we'd love to get into a 2021 or newer because they switched to a six six um and the 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 way the block is built they didn't have to tune it down like they did on the six liter Okay. And uh, apparently, apparently the, uh, there was a guy at Quigley who had got a, uh, a new 2021 and put up, he had like a six or eight inch lift on it and 38 inch tires. And <laughs> he was getting, he was getting 19 to 21 miles a gallon. No way. Well, now that's unheard of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I would, I mean, he's got to have like a speed transmission in it and <laughs> yeah. like yeah. hell he's just overdrive. <laughs> yeah but would love to get into something like that, you know, and, and run either 33s or 35s on it. So you're getting over 20 miles a gallon. It would look um, sweet with 35s. You'll be pissed off with 33s under it. We, we started with 33s and then went to 35s and it does fill it out a lot better. Yeah. Yeah. It looks, it looks, I had up on the screen here. I mean, obviously people listening to the podcast, uh, whenever they get this later in the week and stuff, they're not going to see it, but it looks impressive, man. And I've ass. been following the journey. So to see, how it's kind of come to life. Even the first few things you did to the interior. I mean, even that was impressive, you know, to someone like me who can't do anything. Uh, <laughs> handy at all. <laughs> so it's like, wow, it's really freaking cool. Yeah, no, it turned out, I mean, turned out pretty, pretty awesome. Like uh, obviously Josh and I got to kind of dream it all up. And then um, we were like getting ready to like start the whole build out and then uh, COVID hit. And so the van was out in Colorado and uh josh ended up doing a whole pile of the build putting the deck system in putting the cargo glide on you know building the bed frame and then i was able to go out for a couple of weeks and kind of work on you know help work on everything else and um yeah so it it like definitely turned into a uh, a very functional hunting vehicle yeah i mean when what's the deck system in the back there that we just saw on the screen like you have like a deck shelf system going on with drawers and you know, you got your weapons stored almost perfectly in there. Is it like the slide out like they do in the truck beds? Is it similar to that? Yeah. So same system. Uh, they build deck builds one to fit in the cargo vans. And obviously we bought a passenger van. So ours technically doesn't match warranty, but we had to, uh, had to, had <laughs> to cut out. Some, yeah. Had to <laughs> modify it a bit. <laughs> um, yeah. Deck two deck drawers uh, in the back. And then right like the uh, cargo glide makes a system, a slide out system that fits on top of the deck. Basically, it doesn't allow it to slide out as far as the normal cargo glide. Otherwise, you'd have too much leverage on it. Uh -huh. um, but then we bought some two-inch closed cell foam, and uh, I connected all that and then did a full weapons cutout so we can fit one bow, uh, two shotguns, two rifles, quiver, uh, some other miscellaneous stuff on that weapon slide out. And then the other, whoever's like kind of up to bat, like their bow can uh, hang on the bow hanger right behind the passenger seat. Um, but yeah, the... Uh, the weapon slide is one of my favorite parts. It's super cool. We just man. need to build one. <laughs> well, Sam, he's looking to upgrade, so maybe we can get in maybe the market for his maybe, used maybe one. That one will work, one. huh? <laughs> Rebranded, little OKS Hunter logo on the oh, side. Oh, gosh. Here we go. I, mean, I feel like that doesn't, might not fit the OKS <laughs> Hunter brand. <laughs> it was like, it'd be like your band, but it'd be like the one that Chris Farley was in the river by. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> it'd be terrible. <laughs> I like the OKS Hunter band just needs to be a. Uh, front wheel drive minivan with nice tires on just the front. Just yeah. The front. yeah. <laughs> just oh, hey, we I, rotate them. I actually have that. <laughs> we'll, we'll hang on to it then. That's what I <laughs> sleep when I go to yeah, yeah. You put VF Goodrich KO2s on the front. Yeah. Yes, sir. Some KO2s. When on you the roll front. around at night while you're sleeping, you're like, what is that cracking noise? It's all the kids' Cheetos they drop. You're okay. just rolling over those. <laughs> <laughs> Snack for later. Yeah, there you go. That's so bad. Or it's... you get a van mouse to clean up after you. And you're still, but you're still utilizing the bus too, right? Just in different, yeah. you're not like 
that must have been difficult to oh, I'm gonna drive this bus freaking everywhere. You can't find parking, right? Like <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah, the uh the bus it uh it stands out a little more than the than the old <laughs> van. You know, you can't really like pull off on residential roads if you get tired or whatever and just take a nap without creating a little suspicion. <laughs> um, so but yeah we're still utilizing the bus using it um mainly for events uh as a way to to sell public land teas and raise money for conservation um but trying to figure out exactly what to do with the bus in the future need to you know come up with some idea that's going to make a big splash in the world of conservation and raise a bunch of money and then figure out what the next build is really yeah auction that thing off and and put the proceeds toward conservation yeah exactly when you you've like Man, you're such a great exemplar because I think it's so difficult, maybe not the right word, but hard for one to believe that they can make an impact on the world in, in any way, shape or form, positive, negative, whatever you want to call it, hopefully positive and whatever someone's mission or goal or objective might be. But you have made a demonstrable impact on conservation and you are one man. Now, you've worked with a lot of different companies and brands and organizations, for profit, not for profit. You have your brother and your dad. But I don't know of any other one name that comes to mind when I think of conservation as someone that's done so much good. Like, I don't know how much you've raised, but you've come up with such creative ideas. The Stamp It Forward project, you've done so many, the public land bus, the tees. You're just doing such a great job of this stuff and you're living your mission. Like, let's talk about your mission and why the heck you're driving a bus and a van around. <laughs> Because yeah, you're not just in a, in a van down by the river. And if you were, it's like, that's a cool thing nowadays anyway. So you're fine. But you've kind of blazed the trail there, man, for lack of better terms. Like, let's talk about conservation and what your mission is and what you're trying to achieve here. Well, first of all, you got to quit giving me that many compliments. Uh, that's, I, 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 I don't do know that. I yeah. But I, you know. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, my head's going to get way too big. Uh, I mean, I appreciate, I appreciate all the accolades, but. Fitting there um, so you're, and you're not floating away. So you're good. Okay. Okay. Good. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, kind of the mission behind, you know, what I do, what Josh and I do as a team is, you know, our entire company is founded on conservation values and raising money for the organizations to give back to the organizations that protect all the places that we enjoy. Um, and, you know, I, came up in the whole industry as a photographer, videographer, and just, you know, shooting photos. Your streams have connection. Oh, oh, there you are. Am I back? Yep. We said like a, a low spot in the Wi-Fi. You're, you're right there. You're back. All right. Sweet. What'd you miss? Or what can I start with? Who got where you fell off? Right where you're saying the brands you've worked with, I think. Oh, just, uh, yeah, just, um, you know, like kind of when, when Josh and I started public land tees, you know, it was like, it was the same time that I was basically taken off in the school bus. And for anybody listening who didn't watch the school bus journey, it was a way to use the, you know, a full-size school bus as a rolling billboard for, or, um, to raise money for conservation and to raise awareness about public land issues. But when Josh and I founded public land tees, it was, you know, with the mission surrounding conservation. Um, and $5 from every single item we've ever sold, we've donated back to different organizations that, you know, protect the places that we want to spend time. Um, and so, you know, we've done, we've been able to do a lot of cool things because we're not a nonprofit uh, and because we're able to move pretty smooth and fast uh, with different ideas. That's excellent. Yeah. And because you've done so well with some of these things, like the initiatives that you've done have been successful by and large so like if you come to them with another idea they're like well shit we're gonna listen he's probably gonna <laughs> donate a bunch of money to us you know yeah and i mean honestly just been very fortunate to have enough people start to follow along with the whole journey that we've been able to you know raise these massive amounts of funds you know like stamp it forward you know when we kick that off and i'll explain that in a second but when we kick that off when i was telling my brother the idea of what i wanted to do like he was even skeptical uh, of, of the, the concept, because I called him, I was like, all right, here's what we're going to do. Like, I'm going to have people just Venmo me money and then we're going to buy duck stamps. <laughs> and <laughs> he was like, he's like, That's man, I'm, <laughs> he's like, I'm just worried. I'm worried that, you know, people are going to like send you money. And then like, what, what, what happens after that? You know, like, how are we going to, you know, how do we like further the mission through public land tees? And, and, uh, it kind of, 
took off on a life of its own in the last three years now, we have bought $93,000 worth of federal duck stamps. Yeah. I remember you first put that out there and I'm like messaging you about it and like, how the hell does this work? And then you're like, here, here's my number. Let's just talk about it. So <laughs> I ended up calling you. I still have your number in my phone and we're talking about it. I'm like, okay, that makes sense. That's pretty cool. It's legit. It's all good. It'll, it'll go where it's got to go. And you, you knew what to do with it. And I'm glad it, it's really turned out to be an awesome. It wasn't program. like Ponzi scheme. You didn't no, just like take no. all the money and like, <laughs> no, we, didn't just, we didn't just run away with the money. We did legit buy that many duck stamps. <laughs> like he had videos of him going into a post office and buying up all their duck stamps. It was pretty awesome. Oh man. I got so much crap for that. Uh, that first year. Um, because I, I think I had to go to like six you or didn't seven. Have enough. Yeah. You were at, all sorts of post offices in your area and then some. Yeah, I had to go to like six or seven just to to get to a hundred, that first hundred that we bought. And then I had people worried that I was taking away other people's opportunity uh, to go duck hunting. And so that first year we did a lot of educating of people that they can you can buy an e-stamp on the US Fish and Wildlife website. Uh, and then it's good for 45 days as long as you screenshot the receipt. So we had to we had to educate some people on on uh, the fact that you can buy one any time of day, anywhere you are in the world. Which is good yeah. too, right? Because I mean, a lot of people probably didn't know that until all of a sudden this happened, yeah. and then boom! Like, it I think I, think I might that made somebody's copies. life easier, right? Yeah, Greg's like, do this, do this. I was like, oh, this is pretty cool, you know. Yeah, even if you're not a duck hunter, that's one of the best things you can do for conservation is buy a duck stamp. That's what I've heard. Why is that? Where do you think the, the money, money goes? Where do you think there, there, so, so this is a, you can Google it and you'll, guys, you'll find out. I am like an analogy idiot, but I don't know if you know this, but eggs are the most, uh, what is it called? They have the most protein that you can actually consume out of any, there's a name for this. It's like bio, some bioavailability. Eggs have the most bioavailable protein that exists. So if eggs have, you know, 20% protein, you will consume 20% protein. That is not the case for other foods. This is not a lesson in diets, I promise. <laughs> but with duck stamps, it seems like it follows a similar thing. Like if you spend money on a duck stamp, it is going to give the most back to conservation in contrast to other things that you could be buying. Is that true? Yes. Sorry. So, okay. Well, Bioavailability of duck stamps. I didn't know where you were going with the protein where and the egg thing. I was like, I love eggs too, Eric, but let's get back on track. <laughs> I, hey, I like it. So, so the way the duck stamp works is, uh, so it was. Yeah. Uh, duck stamp was passed into law in 1934 and the 98 by law, 98% of the purchase price. So at the time it was $1. So 98 cents of that dollar had to be spent on purchasing more wetlands, improving wetlands, uh, basically purchasing conservation easements, the national refuge system. Now the duck stamp is $25. So 98% of that goes back to purchasing more wetlands, improving wetlands, uh, and increasing the holding of wetlands that the, basically that are part of the national refuge system, waterfowl production areas, um, everything that basically all wetland conservation. And that's not only good for wildlife species. So there's 700 species that benefit from wetlands, but it's also good for water clarity. It's good for soil erosion. It's good for flooding. The more wetlands we have, the less flooding we have, the less soil erosion, the better the water clarity. So it's, you know, like since its inception, it has protected, the duck stamp program has protected over 6 million acres of wetland habitat. God damn. Can, and, yeah. and are they, there's certain organizations that are more transparent with the dollars that they get for funding where they're like, Hey, these dollars went to this project. I think the ability to see literally, like if you're, uh, working on a dike or an easement or, you know, flooding of a land to make it, you know, I don't have all the terminology here, but right, well, if you can see those things happening, if even Sam specifically, you like, if you can be like, Hey, here's everyone that bought a stamp, look at what they're building here. Like, this is some real shit. This is not, you know, monopoly money stuff's actually happening here. We're making a difference. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, if you look, I mean, a lot of that money ends up going to the prairie pothole region because that's the duck factory. So whether, you know, like basically North Dakota, South Dakota, Nebraska, uh, you know, Eastern Montana, West Central Minnesota, um, you know, a lot of those lands that are purchased to be held in wetlands happens in that area because that's where all the ducks are born. And then it, you know, ducks spread out across the flyways and work down 
like through that. So, um, I mean, if you take any drive through the North part of the country, it is very easy to find places where that duck stamp money has been spent, especially like you wouldn't even, you know, you would have maybe a 10th of the national refuges in the country that we do if it wasn't for the duck stamp. So, and that protects waterfowl migrating species, you know, from North to South. Um, and a lot of those refuges, you can actually hunt everything else on, you know, there's some that have different, you know, different laws and rules, depending on where they are and different species and whatever. But, um, over the past, well, five, six years, there has been more of that has been opened up to, um, hunting opportunity, um, which is, which is great. That's cool. Yeah. Braden, Braden, where, uh, just comments at 6 million acres. That's amazing. Like, is that even comprehensible? Like, <laughs> $1 million. I'll, you know, am I ever going to make a million dollars in my lifetime? I don't know. Like that seems like an impossible number, right? And 1 million, 6 million acres. You can't say that lightly. There's got to be some like chart you could create to be like, look, that's going to get us to the moon and back 10 times or something weird, you know, whatever that is. <laughs> I'll try to figure that out. I'll try to figure like end to end, like how many shotgun shells that would be or, or something. Yeah. Bill Thompson just commented. So I know he's watching. He's probably got some, like he could do the whole, like look up and, and, when he does that, I know he's like doing like numbers in his head. You could do the whole beep, bop, boop. Like that could be blah, 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 six million acres. That's Sorry, Bill. Fun. I'm making fun of Bill a little bit because he's so smart. But um, yeah, somebody help us with this. <laughs> Don't make me do it. It's a lot of land, man. It's a, me... lot, it's a lot of ducks. It's a lot of deer. It's, it's a, lot a lot of opportunity. Fur... It's a lot of opportunity. For everyone. It, even people that watch birds. I mean, I know a lot of people that are just bird watchers. They know what the the duck stamp does for conservation in the areas that they love to go watch birds and they'll buy a duck stamp every year. And I thought it was pretty cool <laughs> when we were out the other day and it was uh, that, that project, they had the bird watching checklist out at the public land spot. Oh like yeah. These are birds that may live here. Like yep. go walk, take a walk, check on. I was like, man, that's a cool project yeah. right there. Yep. Yeah. And I mean here, as soon as all that, all that melts away, you would be smart to walk out there with a pair of binoculars and just look at all the different ducks that yeah, what there. did you see fly away when we were, after I fell on into the yeah, Woody's, Woody's made it back. Uh, we had three wood ducks that were in the ditch when you fell down. Um, <laughs> he's galore. Yeah, he scared him off. I didn't need a bird dog. He, he was right there. He just made just, a little ripple. Those geese were flighty, man. They were looking for a reason to get sketched out. Woody's did a pretty good job of staying tucked in until like you opened your mouth and then they, they boogied. <laughs> Probably. They said, hey, that guy's okay. See ya. <laughs> they're supposed to stay. They know they're safe yeah. <laughs> when we're coming. Yeah, especially when we're coming. So, Sam, what what else can we do to help, like, promote public land teas? Like, what are some things people can do to get involved? We're not wrapping up or anything like that, but I want to make sure that we, like, do this justice here because we have an audience. We want to make sure that people understand what they can do. We've talked. We just we talked with Doug Dern. We went up to Doug Dern's farm. We talked about conservation. Yeah, I mean, right? when I think of, you know, the word conservation, the people that I know best right now in our time, Sam Soholt, Doug Duran, you know, people, people will argue Stephen Ranella. I think he's a good steward of, of the, of hunting and, and land conservation. You just got three people. You got anybody, Derek? Putting you on the spot. There's old, there's some old timers, you know, although Leopold is one yep. of the biggest. So then with that, I just, you know, your name obviously comes up in that, that gamut of people that we're talking about conservation. I think you're putting your money where your mouth is. It's just different. Other people can talk about it and not to discredit that. I think Doug, Doug Dern's doing a great job with conservation and awareness for like CWD and things like that. Yep. But you know, if I can go buy a duck stamp and pay it forward kind of thing, that's, that's really unique. So I don't know if there's any like other projects that are on the horizon for you or, um, you know, should I go buy 10 t-shirts tomorrow? I know I've bought an, Button. That's not a word. Here we go, making up words again. You should. Uh, Every, everybody <laughs> listening should go buy ten T-shirts tomorrow. That'd be fantastic. No, I, I know I own a handful. That's for sure, dude. You guys, I get compliments on the duck hunt one all the time. I got the and punk. they're cool T-shirts. Yeah, I got the if you haven't one. checked them out, yeah. go check them out. They yep. are very cool, clever, awesome. Yep. I could go down an awkward rabbit hole for everybody, and I will. Shit, I just want to see these guys swarm. So we're going to do it. And Sam, I'm going to do this to give you some ideas. And, and I have no ability to execute on this shit. So like, good luck. With <laughs> but everyone, most people that listen to the show know that I'm a big Gary Vaynerchuk fan. I got to meet Gary V back in April of 2019. Here we go, folks. He's fanboying. So, <laughs> you know, I watch what he does and, and he sold 
what was it, two, 200,000, 20,000? I'm bad with numbers. Some ridiculous amount of books that he Shoes just launched. He, whatever, he sold, let's just pretend it's 200,000 books in two days. How did he do it? He did an NFT project. He said, if you buy 12 books at once from me, you'll get 12 books. Great. Who the fuck needs 12 books? Nobody. Um, <laughs> the same copy. But what happens is you spend the $700 to buy the 12 books and you get a, an NFT. What does that NFT get you? It gets you access to the Gary Vee conference every single year for your life. And if you don't want to do that, you can sell that NFT to someone else that does. And that NFT is now today worth $4,000, what would have cost me 700 bucks less than a year ago. So is there something we could do <laughs> with an NFT to say, if you buy this, you'll get that. And if you get that, then you have access to this and so forth. It is a really interesting time to be a marketer, but there's a lot of good you could do for the world if you think about it in a creative enough way, which you are really good at doing. So I'm just going to plant that seed and someone should water it. <laughs> oh, the, uh, the whole the whole idea surrounding NFTs as a way to raise money for conservation has not slipped my mind. So I don't know quite the direction I want to go with it, but I like that. Uh, I hadn't thought about adding utility to the back end where it would like. It's an access you, token is what I would call yeah. that. Yeah. Yep. And with your graphic design capabilities, whoever's doing that stuff, you know, you have unique enough graphics that those could be, you know, NFT artworks or whatever you want to call them. Those could be minted on the blockchain. Yeah. So, and I think I think just, you know, doing some photography type stuff uh, and, and minting those as NFTs. Um, yeah, I think that I think there could be some avenue there, um, whether it be whether it be photos of people I've taken in the past and have them help, you know, market it or or you know, however it might look, but I think that there could be a cool way to raise a bunch of money. Brain's with us. He's tracking. Yeah. <laughs> and I know Bill could probably mint an NFT. I don't know that he knows how today, but he could figure it out by tomorrow. <laughs> so, I know you got to create an account on OpenSea and then you, know, yeah. you just have to like, yeah, there's, there's some steps. I don't know how any of that works, but I knew that if it was like, as an artist, you should buy figure it out. X Artists amount the first of shirts adopters. for this cause. Yeah. And you get the utilitarian, like you get to go on uh, a bird I, hunt in North Dakota with, with a bus and yes. Sam. Yep. I would freaking be on there buying it right now because that just sounds cool. Yep. Like, yeah. It sounds fun. Let's if you, I don't want to do it anymore, then I sell it to someone else. And then guess what? It's a, it's a Ponzi scheme, but not in an illicit way. But then you get a kickback every time that thing exchanged hands. So, like, not that I want to throw anyone under an actual literal bus in this case, <laughs> but if you die, they go up in value, just like a trading card, you know? <laughs> well, how cool would it be to, to, to be able to like earn or buy your way into like a hunt using public lands that your donation has yep. helped? And as it earns more, conserve and like you get yeah. out there and you know you document it and Sam does such a great job with photography. Like, man, that would be kick ass. Bill, Bill said it's I want to go. Easy. Can I he go? Said it's, <laughs> let's do it. He said it's pretty easy and OpenSea is a good resource. See, and Bill will help us with this. We'll figure it. Bill knows. <laughs> <laughs> He's already done this. No, so like whatever. I, like I said, I was going to go off the deep end there into the OpenSea. <laughs> uh, dad jokes for days, guys. And I've only had one bourbon. So um, let's, I should pour another bourbon. I'll let you guys talk for a minute. Anyway. Someone else take the reins for me after I'm. So we're, we're going to jump ship here. Change lanes. No directional. You, uh, you're working on a new podcast, or you've put out a few episodes of a podcast Good shit. Yes. Uh, involving turkey hunting. What can you yes. tell us about that? Absolutely. Uh, so turkey season is, well, it depends on where you are in the country, uh, but it's upon us. And, you know, if you start down in Florida, but it's coming right up for everyone. And so uh, Ben O'Brien and I, and Ben has had uh, a number of podcasts now that he's done. He, you know, he had the hunting collective. Um, which he did for Meat Eater. And then now he started uh, Woodside with Ben O'Brien, uh, which is a free weekly podcast. And then uh, Ben and I co-hosted a turkey hunting podcast, uh, which is a limited eight episode series um, that is a, you have to subscribe to listen to it. Um, but we had some really killer guests and kind of the whole thought behind it was to do, we don't really know what to call it, whether it's a, a master class or, a, you know, just kind of a, a rundown of like everything turkey hunting. So, you know, from episode one of just Ben and I talking about kind of like the state of the union of the turkey and turkey hunting. And then, you know, our first guest was Will Primos. Um, you know, awesome. we had Will Primos on to talk about, you know, kind of the the modern turkey hunter and, and what that looks like. And, 
then we had, um, well, we, well, we had everyone for, so we will Primos. We had Mike Chamberlain to talk about the biology of the Turkey and how amazing they are. We had Lake pickle on who works for Primos works for will good buddy of mine who talked about all of the Turkey hunting gear. Um, Aaron Warbritton uh, of the hunting public was on to talk about calling and you know, the different sounds that turkeys make and, and how to call to a Turkey and, and trying to keep it simple. Uh, we had, Jason Hart on and then Dave Owens on who are two of like, you know, it's in the low twenties of people who have completed the U S super slam on turkeys. And then finally rounded it out with uh, Jesse Griffiths and talked about cooking turkeys. So the, the concept behind it was really a way to, you know, even if you're a, you know, a veteran Turkey hunter, you're going to learn some things, but we're really trying to educate people who are either haven't done it or just getting into it and give them a, as much information as possible. That's, That's really cool. Sounds amazing. I was wondering if Waddell would be a good guest because he he's got the the calls too. Yes. Yeah. And we uh, we uh, we tried to get Waddell, and I think we've already been talking about doing Roost. So the podcast is called Roost, uh, and you can subscribe at um, I believe it's woodside.supercast.com, um, and it costs you twenty bucks to listen to all eight episodes. Um, but we were trying to get Waddell, but we've been talking about doing uh roost 2.0 and get another set of guests on for next spring to launch it so yeah okay. there's a guy we met on tiktok and, and i know you're getting on tiktok i just noticed that you're starting to kind of get in there and do more and your stuff is beautiful like our shit's you know weird <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, but whatever it's all relevant yeah ish your stuff is like cinematically attractive and i like look forward to seeing your content our stuff i'm like oh god what am i gonna put out there today while i'm on the toilet you know <laughs> hey did, did you guys hear that theory about the tiktok algorithm well i think the rich get richer over there but i don't know what you're yeah what do you got no so uh so tiktok is a chinese-based app right and yeah, yeah. So apparently in China or in, and in that region, uh, the algorithm is rewarding people who are doing like amazing things, whether it be engineering or inventions or very like highly intellectual content. <laughs> right? I can already see where that's going. <laughs> yeah. And then in the US, the algorithm is like, you know, how do we make a country weaker? Well, we're just going to, you know, we're going to reward people who do the dumbest things we could possibly yep. think of. Yeah. Well, it's so like the Darwin right? Awards. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> now you have an entire generation of people. And they're all sitting around. They're over in China looking at, going, look at this dummy. Hey, it's very entertaining. <laughs> very <laughs> entertaining. Very dumb. Well, what I was going to say is Chris Whitley has become a friend of ours because of TikTok. Mm -hmm. Chris Whitley is like, get, get outdoors today or something is his name. But if you search Chris Whitley, He's been on our show. He's called into the show. He might show up here at some point and start commenting. I think he's, you know, semi-aware of our live, uh, you know, cadence. But he, he's not nationally ranked. He corrected me last time I said that. He's like, dude, I'm not. But he competes in like competitively for turkey call stuff. Okay. We had him on last year. He did like a whole sequence where they flew out of the roost. They did the, his calling was maybe I'm not exposed enough, but it seemed very impressive. Did he have he, his he hand has, going when he did it? Did he? I don't remember. Yeah, he, had a, he, he probably had a, did. He had a set of wing feathers and he was yeah. beating them against his leg or whatever. <laughs> make it sound like a hen flying down. Oh, yeah. yeah. There you yeah. go. Yeah, but yeah. he, he, <laughs> there you go. But he, he like, he puts out so much practical content on a regular basis to educate people on how to do stuff. And he's just, he's got a really thick Southern accent. So he's just a joy to talk with. I don't know the guy, the guys and gals with southern accents. I Let's could talk to them all day. Do you have a man crush on anybody with a, a southern accent? That's we don't want to talk about the time I went to a certain anyway. club with women from other countries. That was a whole experience. <laughs> I'm sure it was. <laughs> accents will what get me every time. What was that you were saying about practical anyway. content? Eric? <laughs> <laughs> what was that? I that right down the toilet. Here we go. Have another. Are you talking about the machine again? <laughs> the machine. I am the machine. Uh, that's a, is he gonna, what's that, his, little, what's little his Bert, name? Bert Kreischer. Yeah, yeah. He's got like a Netflix thing, doesn't he now? See, right down the freaking toilet. <laughs> we can do right this. We don't toilet. have to stick to this. You should have just kept your mouth shut. <laughs> Derailed. Yeah. We're not drinking vodka, so vodka. Vodka. No, that uh, the, roost, the roost sounds amazing. Like yeah, what, it sounds very. And what a what a guy to bring in to kick it off. Will Primos, the Godfather himself. Yeah, yeah between him and Eddie Salter, I don't know. I mean, who's Eddie Salter? Big enough to ride an Eddie Salter's truck. That's right. Oh, come on. Come, come on, guys. You gotta oh, help come me. on. Not everyone knows everything. Like Greg. He's got a southern accent. I don't know you everything. Love him. <laughs> I'm here. 
<laughs> famed turkey hunter from back in the day, Way deer back. hunter, prime time bucks, yeah. all that stuff, all that man. Stuff, man. Okay. All wow. the goodies. Well, anyway, back to Sam. <laughs> and back to you. And back to you. Now, are you like embarrassed to be on a podcast? Like <laughs> the shit that we navigate here? No, it's great. It's okay <laughs> if you are. I just don't think we're like other podcasts, thinking, but I, I don't really never know. come back to this one ever again. Uh, why do they invite me? He's going to tell my boss. <laughs> He's going to be like, yo, Chuckle, what's with this dude? <laughs> I'll, I'll, uh, I'll talk to you guys in another two years. Yes, <laughs> that's what it is. Uh, Comes back around. So, what's on the horizon for the rest of this year? I mean, you filled some tags last year. We could talk about a little bit of that, and then on the horizon, we could do a little bit of rear view, rear view, and then uh, horizon. Rear, rear. I can't. I can never say rear view or. See, you said it. So, so it's we, not we working. Like rear view, rear view, and then windshield, right? Thank yeah, you. there right. we go. Yeah, we're looking back. We're looking forward. What we got? Yeah. He's sober uh, or not? Let him talk. <laughs> So rear view, uh, I had a great spring last year, just killed a bunch of turkeys, had a ton of fun doing it. And then, uh, you know, it was just a good spring season. Summer, man, we, we like covered the country and went to a bunch of total archery challenges. We ended up at Game Fair in Minnesota in August um, with the bus and the van and everything and selling merch and raising money. And then um, the fall, uh, Josh and I went up to Alaska in September for almost three weeks on a moose hunt. And, uh, we had a great time, ended up not killing a moose and in only saw third, only saw three or no, two bulls in 13 days and neither of which was legal size. Um, so, uh, Josh, we were standing there one day and Josh described it as, uh, it's like being on the worst whitetail rifle hunt of your life <laughs> for, for, for two weeks. I mean, man, we just, we did not see hardly anything. So it was, uh, it was, it was a hard hunt, but we had a good time, got to stay in a little like trapper's cabin on the edge of this lake and, got, you know, we'd go catch rainbow trout and cook, you know, fry rainbows and, and eat potatoes. I mean, it was like, we had a great experience, but it Did was you guys not get good. Flown into that? Did you get flown into that spot? Yep. Yep. So went awesome. to Anchorage and then flew out of Anchorage into, uh, into that unit. Very cool. cool. That must've been picturesque. So, I'd like to go many, back. How many What's pictures, you take, how many pictures do you take on that trip, man, with your, Fancy cameras took, <laughs> took a lot of photos. <laughs> yep. Took a lot of video that we can't really use for anything. Um, but <laughs> yeah, was, cause there's no trophy. Yeah, yeah, like, plenty of time yeah. for photography. Huh? That sounds like yeah. an okay. I got to play an audio yeah. set. Okay. as Hunter. Yeah. There <laughs> sounds reminiscent of our Illinois trip. Yes, okay. it does. <laughs> you know, it happens. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Uh, and then, uh, let's see, got back towards the end of September. Um, we were going to do a, a mule deer hunt out in Western North Dakota and we had like a little window and uh, that ended up a huge snowstorm blew in uh, when that was going to happen. So we, we were like, well, we could either, uh, you know, fight our way through a blizzard to hunt like half a day, or we could just stay home and work on the next trip. Uh, so that's what we decided to do. And then I went to Wisconsin actually on a whitetail hunt. And you didn't um, call us. Jeez. I know. <laughs> I know. Sorry. Not Sorry guys. Next time, <laughs> so you reach out to the okayest hunters. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, went on a on a kind of a photo slash hunt trip for Mystery Ranch backpacks. Oh and, yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, and and got to hunt uh, with the the oh, sorry, that's my dog. Yeah. Uh, you I got to hunt with the amazing guys at uh, Bluff Country Outfitters, and awesome. Um, yeah, I was jacked. Like I have, I've never done an outfitted hunt. Have you know typically been grinding it out on public land. And to go into a property that they have focused on, you know, big whitetail for like 30 years, uh, just to like see how they thought about the land and like how they thought about hunting and, and, uh, like, and then ended up going in there and, um, being the lucky one that was in the right spot at the right time and, and shot a great deer, um, in early October. And, um, I was, you know, I, I didn't know how I was going to feel about it. You know, like I'd been so many years of like, hunting public and yeah, you know, why? certainly not anti-private land, but I just never had any good private land to hunt. Yep. And uh, so just like stepping into that and shooting a great deer, I didn't know if I was going to like, how I was going to feel about that. And I was just as jacked as I am when I kill something on public. So um, sure. it was, Man, it was a blast. That's yep. such an incredible area out there in the driftless where those guys are at. Like it's, they, it's set up so beautifully. It's amazing country. 
un unbelievable just driving through there like i i know i was driving 10 under the whole time on the way through just like soaking in that whole black yeah. country the foliage was all changed and all the old barns like all that stuff just that, i mean yeah that was the barn buck picture wasn't it that you posted that was the barn of, buck yep yep yep, yep. it's beautiful it is beautiful country there. I remember in, in high school, we used to go down there on shed hunting trips. My dad, we always heard about Buffalo County. So we'd go down there on my spring break. And the first time we went, we're driving around, you know, and uh, I had talked to Tom Intrabo through email. Yeah. He invited yeah. us over to come hang out at a spot. So we were driving around and my dad's like, see, I didn't want you guys to get your hopes up. Like there's not deer running around everywhere. And we're like, yeah, you know, like we kind of thought it was going to be crazy. And like 20 minutes later, all of a sudden, every corner he went around, there was like a hundred deer in that field and a hundred deer in that field. And we'd have to stop the car and wait for like a line of 30 to cross. And we're oh like, my holy gosh. crap, it is true. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's unbelievable out there. Yeah. Yeah, it's next level. And just, I don't know, how they have it all put together and how they work with neighbors and, and stuff. It's just a very, very cool culture down there. Yeah, they're, they're managing for deer. They're not, uh, they're not messing around when it comes to that. Yeah. And then, uh, post Wisconsin hunt, I was like, all right, I've got like 25 days more of whitetail hunting planned and, uh, was pretty jacked and thought, uh, that the rest of the season I'd probably knock down a deer or two, you know, I had a rifle whitetail tag, EHD killed everything. Um, and then, uh, I was kind of holding out for something special, um, you know, on my other tags and just didn't end up filling, uh, any of my other tags, uh, last fall. So, but I, you know, it was cool. I got to, there was this, we had a family whitetail trip that we do every year. And it was the first year that my brother-in-law was uh, on the trip and we got him a bow and, you know, got him set up with the clothes and like, you know, like got him dialed in. And, uh, he came out and I, uh, we, I hunted in a blind with him the first night and he almost killed a deer. We had, you know, a bunch of does come in and just didn't quite happen. Um, he hunted with my dad the next morning and they were packing up and had a deer walk right to the decoy as they were packing up, you know, neither <sighs> of them had a release on their bow. And then the next day, uh, it, it was the they best. Was like, All right. What's that? They no, they just, the they were they packing up. So they were like taking their coats off and they had both taken their releases off for some reason. I don't know. I don't have a good, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> I uh, think we need to do sticker guys. Moment. Don't take yeah, your release yeah. off the next right. one. Yeah. Deer Um, but the next, but the next break, cause I, uh, I was like, all right, AJ, you're coming with me. Um, we're going to go hunt together, like in a spot that I had scouted like a couple months before. And I was like, I should have a good, you know, should be deer moving through this area. And I was like, oh, well, you know, he's like, are you just going to drop on the drive there? He's like, are you just going to, you know, get me up in the tree and then go find another spot? And I was like, no, we'll just both be in the same tree. Like I'll hang two tree stands. And he's like, you know, Sam, I've been looking around and I haven't seen a whole lot of trees that could hold two people. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, hey, I was like hey, dude, don't worry about it. I got, I've, I've done this a lot of times. Like we're going to be fine. Um, anyway, we got up the tree and uh, it was like, it, it was, it was young deer, but it was like a rut heaven. Like, there were three little bucks chasing does back and forth all over the place, going wild, grunting, snorting, just, you know, like does and bucks were making every noise you can possibly think of. Perfect. And uh, there's, there's this one buck that was, you know, the biggest of the three. And he was following these two does right into our stand. I was like, all right, you need to, you know, get ready. Like this is going to happen. And these two does walk under our tree at like, you know, 15 yards or whatever. And that buck got to about, 35 yards and then just like turn and walked out into the field like gone just left <laughs> like okay <laughs> like maybe, maybe this isn't gonna happen and uh about an hour later ended up having a little forky come back in and uh i sh i'm gonna tell the whole story so so i called i called the deer to the tree and you know of course you know aj has never you know shot at a deer and so he's, you know, like, as we all are, the first time you're going to shoot at an animal, like your heart's just going crazy. And, oh, hell yeah. uh, and uh, so he gets drawn back, he gets drawn back on the deer and he shoots and misses. And the deer runs out about, I don't know, another five yards and stops and is looking around and he, you know, making, moving around and, you know, whatever gets another arrow in the bow and gets drawn back. 
and he shoots and he misses and the deer runs off a little ways. Well, then I, I was able to, I grunted, I turned the call away from the tree and I grunted and then I snort wheezed and he, that sure enough, that deer walked right back in and then AJ shot it and it ran off and died. I mean, yeah. <laughs> the fact that he got three shots at this deer is unbelievable, but like, you know, it was so jacked for him. Um, that was the okayest, that was the okayest buck. That is cool. <laughs> and then, uh, the, the next, um, well that afternoon. So we had, uh, AJ had shot his buck. We got back to like base camp and, um, I was my, I asked my dad, I was like, you hunting this afternoon? Cause you know, sometimes he'll hunt the mornings and take an afternoon off. And he was like, no, I'm, I'm definitely going to hunt this afternoon. I was like, all right, I got a spot for you. So I was like, get your crap. Like we got to go now. And so we uh, loaded up the truck and drove out there. And it's a spot that I had found five years ago. Um, it's this little hole, probably 20 by 20 yards, maybe that big in the middle of this thick, nasty, like break between heavy bedding and then hardwoods. And then like, it's just real thick, like underbrush and uh, took him in there. And <laughs> uh, the, this is a spot you probably wouldn't want to put two people in a tree because they're all real small. Um, and there's no back cover. So you have to like get way up in the tree. So I, I get my dad and he's, my dad's terrified of heights, but, um, I was like, you're fine. You'll be, you'll be fine you know? And so I put, I had four, I had a four pack of those, like, you know, three step lone wolf sticks. And I, uh, I put all four up just so he could like climb up and have a ladder all the way up above and then just step like gracefully onto the stand. And, uh, got him up in the tree. I think he was sweating harder, you know, just cause he was like terrified of being oh, up yeah. there. Uh, and then I hiked out and, uh, he shot a deer like, uh, an hour and 15 minutes later, like the, the, the best buck that I had had on camera in that area had awesome. come in following a doe and then he shot that deer. So he shot the biggest deer in camp last year. So it was, you know, got to have some pretty, pretty cool experiences. Um, you know, my uncle ended up shooting a deer out of a stand that, you know, my brother and dad and I had set in this little, you know, little, we call it the kill hole. Um, but found this little spot kind of like separated from a field and thick stuff. And, um, yeah, he killed, he got to kill a buck this year. And like, we didn't, there was a, you know, like it was a very cool experience, um, because there was a chance that he may have never hunted again, uh, just some health stuff that had happened. And, and, uh, so he came back from that, was able to kill a deer. And now, I mean, like it was just a, it was a very special year hunting with family. What an amazing season to share great. those moments together. Yeah, that yeah. sounds more rewarding than shooting a deer yourself because you got 100%. to witness your family have some success and really just enjoy the heck out of it. And if you're the one getting all the deer, they're like, man, I'm not going to go with you anymore. This is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost better for sure because, hey, okay, no, you're going to come back next year because you actually had fun. Yeah, being there, being there for anyone's first deer like like that Magical. like your brother-in-law it's, that's it's just because awesome. like, you get to help shape it you know what i mean like you get to celebrate extra hard to like get them super pumped up and like i, I just love that part of it yeah yeah no i'm uh i'm excited for this year already you know getting them you know another year like behind the bow and shooting and whatever i'm just you know excited for everyone to be back in camp yeah. awesome you got any big trips planned for this year yeah, actually, Josh, Josh and I are going back to Alaska in early December. Uh, we're going to go hunt blacktail. December. Ooh, yep. nice. I think it's the 1st through the 5th of December. We'll go uh, live on a boat, eat crab, try to catch some fish, kill blacktail. Um, that sounds it's gonna, terrible. It's going to be fun. Yeah. I'm pretty excited to see those photos. <laughs> yeah, same here. I'm pretty excited to shoot them. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> blacktail no, is one of, the, one of the deer. I mean, I like all the deer species, but blacktail is just kind of a cool deer to, to, to go chase. It's very unique and in a niche part of the world. And they taste amazing. Really? Yep. Yep. I haven't, I haven't eaten one since 2013. I was filming oh, bear hunting. There were, now. A couple of the guys had uh, some, some deer tags. And so we shot some deer and got to eat backstraps up there. Nice. Sounds like it doesn't suck. Right. <laughs> no. It's freaking awesome. Yeah, sit on the boat and eat crab. Maybe go fishing. Or well, that sounds like whatever. some Steve Ranella stuff. That guy goes to hunt something. He's like, ah, we're not having any luck. So I'm going to go out on the boat and like go, yeah. you know, dig for clams. I'm like, Change what up. the, f you know, you make the most of the situation that you're in holistically. And it, why it, not? It's, yeah. It's, if it's there, you might as well harvest it. Which is one thing I like about that show is that there's no, 
it's just food yep. and yep. experiences and memories and, and making the most of your time out there. So like, if you're not having fun over here or success with that, then just switch gears. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? fun. But that'd be like the equivalent of me bringing my fishing pole out to the woods. <laughs> you know, like oh, I'm not getting any deer. So there's a pond back here. So I can't get a bass <laughs> or a trout. Why not? But maybe some guys do that. I've heard of those types of stories. I'm if you're in me in your kayak going and trying to hunt some spot, you might as well have a pole on the, you know, in your uh, your pole holder. Yeah, you just troll it along the way. Exactly. I didn't get any white tail, but I got some nice pike. You know, like <laughs> you pike, pike you, know, you know, this uh this spring, uh speaking of hunting holistically, um so I come up with this idea and we unfortunately we can't do it. Um and I'll get to that, but we where Josh and I were going to host a huge wall tent raccoon hunting camp. Uh, we were going to call it save the eggs camp. Interesting. Because, uh, we were going to host it in North Dakota and we were going to spend three days basically, you know, trapping, using thermals, calling, um, and hunting ground nest predators, uh, just as a way to talk about their impact on duck eggs, pheasant eggs, turkey eggs, uh, anything that nests on the ground and, you yeah. know, like kind of start to raise that awareness surrounding, the importance of like, especially in, you know, the Great Plains region, raccoons weren't even here until the 1950s. Um, oh, I didn't know that. Interesting. Yeah. So like, you know, like the development of shelter belts and more trees coming across and then industrial ag um, allowed, you know, it went from basically no raccoons to whatever, 100 to 200 per square mile uh, in certain areas. And so we were going to go out and just take care of some raccoons and try to help out some uh you know, now that we're, you know, we've started to lose habitat, especially with drought the last couple of years, if we can do anything to, to help improve that nesting success, um, it would be, uh, you know, to our benefit. So I actually bought 50 uh, raccoon traps yesterday oh, and uh, I'm planning on doing quite a bit of trapping over the next few weeks to try to get ahead of uh, turkey season and uh, get out in the woods and do some, do some preseason scouting for deer and turkeys and everything and have a little fun. Heck yeah. What did you get for traps? Are you a uh... Conibear, long spring, coil springs, live traps. Uh, I did, I did those uh, Duke uh, dog proof traps. Okay. Um, yep. Yep. Just those uh, are round ones. Yeah. Every like every everything I watched and listened to and saw, like it just seemed like it was very simple design, um, and uh, yeah, just seemed like an easy way to not catch some, you know, farmer's dog or whatever, and, and uh, go out and be able to set traps <laughs> yeah. on a bunch of of uh, public ground. A friend of mine has a farm and he lets a guy trap and my dog, we were going towards the end of pheasant season and my dog ended up finding a, a coil spring trap, unfortunately. Oof. And I, I knew there was one around just by the way the ground was disturbed and the guy was trapping coyotes and she caught it right on the pad and I, I got her out of it before she went crazy. But yeah, the, the dog proof traps are pretty interesting. And I just kind of started seeing them the past couple of years. And I'm like, boy, I've never seen those. I've never even used those. I've had experience with kind of bears and live traps and coils and long springs, but never, never a dog proof. And yeah, pretty effective that the coon gets, or I think they even use them for coyotes in some cases. I don't know if they make one big enough for coyotes, but I think people have caught coyotes in them. You put the right scent in there. They, they're curious. So they go and stick their, their front paw in there and, they get caught and then hang yeah, on. It's, it's pretty cool because it, it has uh so the way they work, I should grab one, oh, whatever, I, I can grab one. But the way they work is basically you put, you know, like they have a stake in the bottom and it's like a little round cylinder. And then you put, uh, I, you know, I was watching one guy, he just fills them up with either dog food or cat food or whatever, and then puts a little um, like fish oil around it just to get some sure. scent out there. And as the, as the raccoon eats the dog food or cat food or whatever, the only way to trigger it is they have to reach down into the cylinder and then, pull up on the trigger so it's not like they can just push down yeah. and get trapped yeah. so it it, it kind of it's when they're pulling out. right right so sure. it's a little yeah so it's a little safer for uh you know everything else that might wander by the trap you're you know not gonna catch something yeah. you're trying to sure i my experience with using and, and use this however you might might want to but with using any kind of cat food or dog food I'd always get bycatch or even cats for that matter in live traps. All I do is live trap them. But I went with using uh, candy hearts and jelly. Okay. And coons love that. I never caught skunks. I never caught cats. And um, on a rare occasion, possums will go in anywhere. I'd get a possum, but, yeah, you know, trap it simple. But, you know, maybe if you're catching 
the wrong species, maybe switch to candy hearts once, maybe they'll they'll like that instead of catching the farm cats that are running astray. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll certainly take that into consideration. I'll use I'll I'll bait them with whatever works. Marshmallows. I had one guy tell me peanut butter and bird seed works really well. Yeah, but I like that. I like that jelly and candy hearts. Well, we had uh, it was start- Valentine's Day. And Greg was lonely, so he had to- <laughs> no. I just got tired of getting boxes of candy hearts from all the all the little old ladies, white white gloves and stuff. You know, uh, he's a cute little man. Here you go. <laughs> the old ladies were hitting on you, were they? Uh, you want some candy hearts? That one says, I love you. Yeah. <laughs> no, we actually had... Uh, I'll keep you warm at night. We had Start Candy Company here in, in Pewaukee for years, and a buddy of mine would get 55-gallon drums full of... Oh, my gosh. Oh, just- <laughs> yeah, I'll make candy hearts work, says Greg. Yep. <laughs> gotta get rid of this shit. Throw this crap away. That's carp bait but, for bow fishing. Yeah, That's everything. your coon bait. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you, yeah, like you wouldn't believe what I caught was candy hearts over the years. Man, more than my true... One of the areas I plan on trapping, I know there's plenty of raccoons because uh, I don't know if you remember when I brought uh, hot apple pie and ice cream to the tree for I deer hunting. Mm-hmm. And I, I actually accidentally dropped a dollop of ice cream on the ground. And while I was hunting, a raccoon came up and licked up the ice cream. That is cocaine <laughs> for raccoons. And uh, I'm going to eat this. I don't care what's going on. raccoon cartwheeled all the way back to his tree. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! He had the best day of his life. There's yes, a children's did. book about this, actually. And, and Stevie got some ice cream. <laughs> I swear, I swear that raccoon's got to be like 40 or 50 pounds. I posted a photo of, I, th- I think it's probably the same raccoon. Uh, I, I had a picture on a cell cam picture of a deer and then a cell cam picture in the same spot of a raccoon. I just spliced them together. I like to show the scale of like how big yeah. that raccoon is. It's giant. No one else is going to fight that raccoon for that ice cream. <laughs> no. no, no. He's gonna the biggest it. coon I ever live trapped. And I don't know how it fit in there because it wasn't turning around. But that thing weighed forty pounds. It was a beast. <laughs> that is enormous. And it was and it was the the most docile coon I had ever had in a trap. Like it was probably just lazy. Usually they come up. You come up to a live trap. They're hissing. They're growling. He's yeah. probably been trapped before. He's probably yeah, old enough been trapped before a big, in a live trap. It was trap. a big big sow female. She knew and, the drill. Yeah, she knew the drill. All right, I get the food. I get out. And now you're getting a twenty two between the ears, <laughs> and you're gonna go to market. And it was actually it was like a three make, star make a hat out of that? XL. It I got seventy five bucks for that pelt. Wow. Back early in two thousands. I was in my twenties. So that's when so like, the market, sweet, that's a that's the a couple takes of gas. That's the like market not even was good through now. the eighties through part yeah. of the eighties. Took a complete <laughs> shit all the way in through the nineties and then early two thousands when I was kind of getting I was, you know, got a, a job in the trades and I was looking for something to do. I took up trapping with a buddy. And we were going around farm to farm asking people, hey, you got a coon problem? Oh, yeah, trap them all. So we were out there with live traps. and Like Pokemon. Oh, yeah, we were having a ball. Got to catch them all. Got to trap them yeah. all. But we were we were trapping coons, and I learned how to stretch and skin and clean clean furs. And my buddy had all the stuff to do it, and we'd take them to market. And he's like, dude, check this out. I'm like, oh, 75 bucks. That's pretty good. And he goes, no, that's for one coon. That's just for one coon. I think I made like 400 bucks, and I only – I don't know. I might have caught twenty coons that year. I don't. I don't remember. But it's awesome. Yeah, I did pretty good for not knowing much. I learned a bunch, and it's fun. Trapping's yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah, Man, fun. when you say take them to market, it just makes you feel like you're ninety. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we took them to market. Them to market. Or like you're reading a kid's story. This little piggy went to the market. By the way, I now only know what that means. This little piggy went to market meant he wasn't going to the market to buy some freaking you know little no, piggy stuff. he bacon, was bro. going to the market <laughs> to be a pig i was like holy shit i'm 36 i just figured this out we got bacon chops. <laughs> we've got ribs oh man this <sighs> little coon went to market yeah yeah he did a lot it of practical my- information coming around here guys we're making it full <laughs> circle yeah we are yep. you don't know now you know people are like they're not going to admit it, but they just learned something new. <laughs> Listen to us guys. Yeah, I just I just saw somebody comment about calling raccoons, and if if you've never done it, it's amazing. Um, we just... attempted it when we we would go out and coyote hunt, and if the coyotes weren't responding, we would switch over to coons. And my buddy had a you know an old Johnny Marshall or whatever calling sequence thing. It was all on a tape. That's how old it was. Tape. 
And no one knows what you're talking about. Hit the play. <laughs> did you get it at Kids market? are like, what's yeah. that? Might, what do you mean you got it at the market? Did you, did you, did you duct market. tape its mouth shut? <laughs> I don't know what that means. Yeah. Anyway, but we'd switch over to coons and like you'd hear them rustling around. But if something didn't look legit, like these coons must have been called at. I think he was taking us to his bunk spots that he had called a million times and educated mm-hmm. the coons. But it's pretty cool to be able to see them respond to a call. Is that something you do a lot of, Sam? I haven't done a ton of it, but it's uh, I. So I, I've done like I don't know, probably ten sets, and uh, called in seven raccoons. So it's pretty high percentage. Way better um, than my coyote record. <laughs> oh yeah, no, like yeah, coyote coyote calling is. I, I've never had good luck, but I it's uh, tough. Yeah, yeah, I called in raccoons almost every set and then one of them i called in a a fox on the same sound but um yeah there's a there's a youtube video out there it's like raccoon ruckus my buddies filmed it for um lucky duck like the predator show Mm -hmm. and uh go watch that they got all the all the tips on how to how to call raccoons and what sounds to use and and uh like durations so yeah pretty cool that's awesome so yeah i think we were Talking about calling in and stuff, but what's maybe that was so we I think we covered the rear view pretty well. What's yeah. on the horizon? What's um, on the um, lots of turkey hunting this spring, so that should be pretty good. Um, I'm gonna try to get you know some family, some some turkeys. My wife's got a tag, my dad's got a tag, uncle has a tag, and you know, we're gonna bounce all over the place. Um, gonna go down to nebraska early may for uh identical draw those guys are doing like a mentor hunt okay. so i'm gonna go help go help get somebody a rac or a, a raccoon been talking too much about them uh gonna go help get somebody to get a turkey down there and then um this summer not 100 percent sure uh my wife is looking into doing travel uh occupational therapy so mm. depends on where we're going to be with her job um kind of depends on what i'm up to this summer but this fall, uh, I've got lots of deer tags. I've been contemplating applying for elk or not, but I might just uh, do three or four whitetail tags and a couple mule deer tags and just do the do the deer thing pretty hard this year. Awesome. Um, and then that blacktail hunt in December. So that's what's that's what's kind of coming up on the hunting side, on the you know conservation t-shirt side, um, doing some collaborations with some uh, with some brands that I can't share anything at the moment. Um, but there'll be some cool stuff coming here in the next, uh, six to eight months. Cool. You're such a fun page to follow. Like your stuff is so great. So I'm sure most of the people listening know who you are and follow along. And if you don't, you gotta definitely, it's yeah. worth it. <clears throat> definitely you know? do it. That's such great stuff. Sam Soulhold, public land teas. Those are the two, right? They're just the, those, right. Yeah. Those, those are the two. Uh, if you want any, you know, if you want to look at food photos, you can follow public land meat co. Um, but typically sharing that on all the pages as well. So, yeah, no, man, thanks for hanging out with us. We're right at time, a little over, which it doesn't matter. No actual specific time for things, but I think we covered everything that we wanted to, and we had a lot of commentary. So be sure to, you know, visit the YouTube page or the Facebook and, and, you know, jump in where, you know, maybe we missed some of that stuff. And thanks for being our guest tonight, dude. Hey, thanks for having me on and I look forward to doing it again. Absolutely. Absolutely. Everybody who's still listening, go out there, do your part for conservation, right? Look this guy oh, up, yeah. buy some teas. Go buy uh, a duck stand. Let's, let's do our part. Yep. You bet. Thanks, folks.